Amen. We're the, the title of this message now, be careful with this. Be careful. Don't let carnality get here. It's just simply up. Everybody say up. I know in your former life you would add another word behind that, but we're not doing that today. We're talking about something different. Everybody say up. We're going to see what that means here in just a minute. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Exodus 33. And by the way, if you uh, have version, the notes are on uh, version, and uh, you can save those notes. We've had some people in our small group not understand how to do version, not know how to save them and so forth. The next few Sundays, if you're interested in version, we're going to have some people out in the lobby that can help you get version on your phone, show you how to access those notes, show you how to save them. How many of you would like to do version? You just don't know how. Would you raise your hand? I want to see a show of hands. Raise them high. Okay, so there's several hands. Starting next week, uh, we're going to have some people that can help you with that. My, Holly was helping some folks in our small group Friday night. We want you to get the version notes because you can, you can follow along. You can make notes in addition. You can save them and then always refer back to them. So it's a great tool. All right, stand to your feet, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to go to Exodus 33. And I am super, super excited about this message. Super, super excited. How many loves the presence of God? Exodus chapter 13, we're going to read verses 13 through 23. Moses understood something that we all need to grasp. He, he had an understanding of something that just was, was just incredible for his time, day, and age. Moses writes here, If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation, whoa, wait, go back. <laughs> Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. Stop right there. If, if God's presence is with us, it's all we ever need. And he said, and I will give you rest. How many of you need rest? Your rest comes through being in the presence of God. Watch verse 15 and 16. Then Moses said to him, this is powerful. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, I'm not interested. God's talking to him about the promised land. And God is saying, hey, I'm going to send you to the promised land, but I'm not going. And Moses says, hey, I've had everything. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. He, he, he was raised in the most powerful, rich, whatever, you, you name all the attributes you want, house in the entire world. He had everything he could ever want. And God said, I'm going to send you to the promised land, but I'm not going with you because they're a bunch of stiff-necked people. And Moses says, then I'm not going I've already been that route without you, and it's nothing. I've already been that route. I had everything the world had to offer, and it was nothing. I'm not going anywhere without you. Man, oh man, this is so powerful. How will anyone know you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Wow. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the people on the face of the earth. Did you know when you get in the presence of God and you get filled with Him, it distinguishes you from everyone else. You don't have to get out and advertise. He'll do advertisement for you. Verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked. Glory to God, so let it be to us today. Because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Wow. Then Moses said, I'm not satisfied with that level of relationship with you, I want to go up. Everybody say up. He says, now show me your glory. 
And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one can see me and live. Verse 21 through 23. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. Listen, when you are hungry for the presence of God, he will show you where to go. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for where you're taking us today. I thank you for the presence of God is in here. I thank you, God, that you are, you are willing to pour out your spirit. And I'm asking you to anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. God, let us not be satisfied today with just where we've been, but to go up and to go deeper in the presence of God. Lord, I pray you would anoint our ears to hear what the spirit is saying. Let it, the seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Lord, I pray, Father God, you unify somehow by miracles, chance our nation. I pray you protect, Father, all of our leaders throughout this nation, God, from, from all kinds of attacks. And I pray you bring our nation back to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And I ask you now, God, to have your way in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have. And let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only deceiving my own self now Lord anoint my ears anoint my heart anoint my spirit my soul my mind and my body to receive the truth of your word in Christ's name I pray amen amen high five two or three people as you're being seated high five them and say let's go up A military pilot was testing a new plane, and uh, it wasn't yet, you know, all the sheet metal and everything wasn't put on the inside exactly just yet, and, and as he's flying, he hears this gnawing, and uh, he hears this scratching, and he looks down, there's a big fat rat there chewing on wires. Well, when you're in the cockpit of a jet like that, it's probably not a good idea for a rat to be chewing on wires that might crash the airplane. So he radios in and he says, guys, i got a big problem. I see a rat. It's chewing wires. I can't get to it. I'm flying the airplane. What do I need to do? The commander on the other side, quick thinking, said, go up. The pilot thought, go up. What in the world is wrong with you? I need to ground this thing. I need to land this thing and kill it. The guy said, no, you need to go up. He said, what do you mean up? He said, go up because the plane was designed to get up way up in the atmosphere. And he said, the air is so thin, the rat won't be able to breathe. It'll kill the rat. Sure enough, he went up, and slowly but surely, the gnawing stopped, the scratching stopped, and the rat laid dead at his feet. Do you know why? Because rats can't live at high altitudes. If there are spiritual rats gnawing at your spirit, and they're gnawing at our church, and they're gnawing, and they're like a little barking chihuahua. The answer is not to get a stick and try to fight the chihuahua and try to fight the rat. The answer is go up. The answer is to say, I know how to shut you up. I'm going up to an altitude you can't ride in. I'm going up to a place you can't hang out with me. Amen. How many want to go up? Somebody say up. 
There's a certain altitude at Pikes Peak, Colorado, where if you're on the old cogwheel train, the conductor, as the, as the air gets colder and the trees get smaller because of the high altitude, the conductor on the train will say, you have now reached the snake line. From this point on, no snakes in Colorado can survive. I want to tell you something. There's a place you can get in God. There's a place that God can take you into His presence. That the rats can't make it. The snakes can't survive. Where you can get up and above those things. There are, there are altitudes that eagles, they get lice on them because they eat live meat. And they eat things that are alive. And they get this, these bugs on them and this bacteria on them. And you know what they do? They don't take their beaks and try to figure out how to do it. They go up. They understand that when they go high soaring in the air, the bugs die and they just flap their wings and flap them right off. Did you know that's what God has called us to do? If the enemy is terrorizing your sleep, if he's terrorizing your spirit, if he's terrorizing your family, the answer is to go up. Somebody say amen. That leads me to point number one and that is this. Go into the presence of God. Poke your neighbor and say, go into the presence of God. There is one thing we all must know in order to continue our Christian walk, and that is that the presence of God is with us. God is everywhere. He's the composite of everything that exists. He's both the glue that holds everything together and the pieces themselves. We understand that. Psalm 139, 7-9 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, basically you are there. You, He is everywhere. We understand that. Yet though God is everywhere, there are times He chooses to make His presence known or manifest His presence. Now if I were to tell you, folks, there's a multi-billionaire in the church today, that wouldn't mean anything. I mean... That person would be here, but it wouldn't make any difference to us. However, if that multi-billionaire got up and did what only he could do and gave each of us a million dollars, so let it be, Lord. He would have then manifested his presence to us. See, if he just sits there, it's not going to help us. But if he gets up and does what only he can do, gave each of us a million dollars, he would have manifested his presence to us. Let me tell you something. When we worship God and we pray and we get the presence of God in here, he will stand up and he will do what only he can do, which is far greater than a multi-billionaire. He'll bring peace to the storm in your life. He'll bring joy to the discouragement in your life. He'll bring love where there's a lack of. He'll be everything you need right when you need it. Somebody shout amen. That is why it's important to show up at 915 and pray. Because when he shows up, he brings with him the fruit of the spirit that no, you can't, money can't buy, that kind of stuff. He brings with him healing that the doctors can't do. He does everything you and I will have need of if we'll just get into his presence. Moses was keenly aware of the need of the presence of God in his life. And that's why he said, I'm not going anywhere if you're not going. I love it, man. We got to be determined for that. He knew the futility of traveling or going anywhere that the presence of God wasn't there. He knew the beginning of ministry journey without the presence of God was a disaster waiting to happen. If you try to begin a ministry journey, there is one important question you need to ask. Is God in it? When you go to buy a house, you need to stop and say, God, are you in it? 
When, you, when that job sounds so great to you, you need to stop, put the foot on the flesh and say, well, the money sounds good, but God, are you in it? I'm a huge proponent of you don't go where the job goes. You go where the Holy Ghost tells you to go. I believe that with all my heart and soul. Moses understood that when God is among us, he brings with him all things that we will ever need. His presence isn't a mere fantasy, it's a reality. As with God, we can't be defeated. When we're in the presence of God, we can't be defeated. He says we're more than conquerors. He said we're already victorious. He said no weapon formed us will prosper. He said we've already caused us to triumph in Christ Jesus. He said we've already overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. He, man, we've got all these promises. We are already victorious. The answer is to getting into the presence of God. Listen, there's no greater message I can preach to you than to get in the presence of Almighty God. He is the answer for everything. It may not change your situation physically at first, but it will change how you deal with it. Like those bugs on you, just irritating you. Like the eagle, you can just get up in the altitude and God, you just flap your wings and there they go. And the enemy goes, man, we can't get, we can't get this guy to just crash and burn everything we throw at him. Moses was no stranger to the presence of God. God manifested his presence in so many ways. A fire by night, cloud by day, manna raining down from heaven, water flowing out of rocks. He understood that when the presence of God moved the cloud or the fire, that he moved. He also understood that when it stayed, he stayed. Somebody shout amen. The presence and the timing of God was everything. I'm sure when the presence of God just kind of kept them in one area for a while, some of the natives got restless. Pastor Moses, when we going to leave this theater in this desert? I can answer that when God moves. And not until. But, 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 but. No buts. If the cloud don't move, we don't move. If the fire don't move, we don't move. And then one day the fire got to moving. He said, boys, load up. The fire's moving, we're moving. Amen. And then I'm sure the opposite was true. Oh, well, we just got comfortable. I just set the tent up. I mean, we just got things settled down. And now we're moving again, Moses, Pastor Moses, Pastor Moses. Why are we moving so much? I'll tell you why. Because God moved, and we're not leaving his presence. He moves, we move. He stays, we stay. Somebody shout amen. We do the same because in His presence is everything. It's provision, it's direction, it's guidance, it's healing, it's sustenance. It's everything we need. The devil will try to get you to do everything he can to get you out of His presence because he knows everything you need is in His presence. The great pillar of fire by night illuminated Israel. Can you imagine? I mean, it's just lighting their way. They can see. And it, it, it not only did it do that, but you know, the desert gets cold at night. Not only, let me tell you how good God is. Not only is my pillar of fire going to lead you and direct you, it's also going to keep you warm at night. But then when daylight hits, I'm going to flip that sucker. Now I'm going to be a, a cloud. 
Watch this. So that the beating desert sun doesn't just tear you a new one. I'll provide shade. Don't you see how good God is? If you're not in the presence of God and you haven't given him everything you got, what could you be missing? Not only did he direct him with it, he provided comfort with him. When you stay in his presence, he'll comfort you. His presence will do the same for you and I. And the timing will be everything. God knew they didn't need fire by day. He knew they, he knew they needed a fire by night. But he also knew they didn't need a cloud at night. They needed a cloud by day. He gave them exactly what they need when they needed it. And he will do the same for you and I. Whew. When the presence of God moves in your life, move with him. Most things are for a time and a season. I believe that. When you see God leading you in a different way, go that way. When you see Him leading you to a different job, go that way. When you see Him leading you to a different ministry, go that way. Follow where God takes you. When the presence of God remains still, stand still. Don't get ahead. When you've got a fresh vision from God, don't run out ahead of God. There's a passage in Joshua where he says, Joshua, you, we're going to send the Ark of the Covenant representing the presence of God ahead of you. But don't you move until it goes because you've not been this way before. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to pave the way for you. The timing of God is everything. That's why it was so imperative that when God spoke to us about Cincinnati, we never pursued, we never called, never nothing. We waited on the timing of God because outside of the timing of God, it can be a disaster. In the same way, the outside of the timing of God to leave this theater can be a disaster. But I promise you... God has the perfect place already. He's been working behind the scenes, moving this one and moving that one and getting things. He's the master chess player. He doesn't just move one move. He moves this move because he knows where he's going ten moves from now. And we're in the process of that. And pieces are being moved. Things are happening behind closed doors we don't even know about. And then one day it's going to be, boom, we're going to get a phone call. One day somebody's going to say, did you check this out? One day something's going to happen and God's going to say, boom, there's where I'm sending you next. Glory to God. And just because God will maybe give us, and he will at some point, a permanent home, doesn't mean that one's forever. That may be for three years. And gosh, well, I'm done there. I'm going to go over here now. And you know what we're going to do as a church? We're going to follow the presence of God. Somebody shout amen. Not only do we need to go into the presence of God, but point number two is this. We need to go deeper into the presence of God. I say deeper. If you're going to get in the presence of God, you have to accept the fact that, that you may not fit in the crowd anymore. When I, when I was coming to Christ, I was being torn by old friends and old ways. And Listen, I, I knew I couldn't drag myself away from old friends. So I prayed one of the most gutsiest prayers I've ever prayed in my life. I said, God, if there are people in my life that are going to take me away from you, I want you to remove them from me because I can't remove myself. To this day, I have not seen some of those people. God just moved them out. And I said, God, I don't even know why I prayed this. I said, God, give me two good friends to put in their place. And he did. Wonderful men of God that helped, helped guide me in my very volatile times serving God. I dare you to have the guts to say something like that, to pray something like that. I dare you to pray something like that, because God will do it. And he'll put 
healthy people in your life that will lead, guide, and direct you. There were three courtyards in the tabernacle. I'm not talking about the temple. I'm talking about the tabernacle that Moses had built that was mobile. Listen, there were three courtyards. And to each level, you had to be a little more different than a normal crowd. The first courtyard where our outer court was anyone could go there. Sinners and saints alike. You didn't have to have a relationship with God. Anybody could just show up there. If you wanted to go in the inner court though, you had to wash yourself, go a little deeper, and distinguish yourself a little bit more. It was like a mikvah. A mikvah back then was you would bathe yourself before you would go in the presence of God. You see, anybody could get in the outer court and just be who they were. But if you wanted to go deeper from the outer court to the inner court, you had to wash yourself, you had to get yourself prepared, and you had to leave the crowd behind and say, I'm going after God. Isaiah 1, 16 through 18 says, Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my, sti- my sight. Stop doing wrong. That's pretty simple. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as white as wool. Listen, if you want to go from the outer court to the inner court, first thing you need to do is accept Jesus Christ in your heart and your soul and allow His blood to wash your sins away and distinguish yourself from the world and say, I now belong to Jesus. And for those of you that are saved, it's okay to break away from the crowd and the norm and say, you know what, I need more presence of God. I got to go a little deeper. Everybody say deeper. You couldn't, though, go into the Holy of Holies unless you fasted for a week, washed your whole body, put on priestly clothes, waved incense before you, put blood on your veil with a rope and bells tied around your waist. So if you drop dead in the presence of God, they could drag your tail out of there. Watch what the Bible says, Matthew 27, 50 through 51. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. God ripped it himself. The earth shook and the rocks split. In other words, God said, you can now come into the holy of holies boldly to the throne of grace. Ephesians, or excuse me, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Pull the next one up, please. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Bible tells us to come boldly, to bust up in there like we own the place. Not, not to come trembling in there. It says come boldly. Like, I've got a covenant with you. I've, I can get an audience with you, Lord. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What he is saying is, come, I have paved the way. My son has shed his blood. All you got to do is come. You want to get in the Holy of Holies? Come. But you got to go a little deeper than the rest of the crowd. My question to you today is this how deep do you want to go because God says I want you all the way 
You see, the outer court crowd is happy enough to get close to God and ease their religious conscience. Well, I got, I got to church today. I, I did a good thing. I'm, I may be out here in the outer court and I'm not in the presence of God and I don't have him in my heart. But, you know, I, I did the church thing. I'm good. I ease my conscience. They keep God at a distance because they don't want him messing with their lives. I'll go to church, but I'm not letting him in my heart because then he'll start messing with me. And we're not doing that. I'll come to church to see my, ease my conscience, but don't tell me to repent, Pastor. You start preaching on repentance, I'm out. I'll attend church once a month, and, but I, I don't care. I, I, ain't, I ain't dealing with God in my heart because he'll try to tell me to quit all my favorite sins. I'm preaching to somebody. I'll even greet at the door and welcome people to church. But that's as far as I'm going because I don't know. God may tell me I got to go to Africa or something. I ain't doing all that. I'll go to church enough to scratch my religious itch and make myself feel like that's good enough. But I'm not interested in a real relationship with Christ because I know then I got to change. That's the outer crowd court. The crowd. Outer court crowd. The inner court people represent those who want more of God, but they still keep a part of their life at a distance. They'll say, yes, I want Jesus in my heart as my Lord and Savior. I want him Lord of uh, uh, areas A, B, C, D, and E, but I still want to commit adultery on my spouse, so, you know, we're not going there, God. I like you being in my life in all these other areas, and I want to go deeper here, but this little area right here is off limits. I'll even serve in ministry on a regular basis. I will, I will keep God, though, at a distance because I don't want Him convicting me over watching pornography and stuff on television I shouldn't watch. I'm cool with all this other stuff, and I'll go a little deeper with God, but, but I'm holding back a little bit here. And that's what we have in the church today is a fear of those kind of things. I want the word of God, but I'm going to pass over a few passages that, that I don't like dealing with me on. Man, how many of you finished the Bible challenge? Congratulations. How cool. Now don't stop. Keep going. Just read something. Just keep getting in the word. Amen. How many of you during the Bible challenge read something that you were like, ooh, I don't, I don't like that. How many of you are like, oh, God, speak to me because I'm going to give Holly a word. And then God said, no, I'm going to give you a word. I will do enough good to outweigh the bad. Who can I use as an example? Marcus isn't here. Where is he? Downstairs? He's in kids' church. Why's he got to be serving today? I need him as an example. Todd, Jessica, stand up. Y'all just got called out. Todd. Now listen. Jessica, she wants, she, look, she's going to be yours all week long. But on Saturday night, she wants to go hang out with her former boyfriend. Is that cool with you? What do you mean, Todd? Man, she's your six nights out of the week. What does it matter if she goes hangs out with him? One, you get the majority of her. 
You are being very unreasonable. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so just you you got her all month long. She just wants one night a week to be with her boyfriend. Would that be all right with you? Come on, man. Now we come on. Month. All right, all right, all right. Here she can be yours 364 days and nights a year. She just wants one day and one night to be with an old boyfriend and then you got her. I mean, that's less than a third of a percent. Come on, man. You that means that means she is 99. 99% yours. Why not? Why not? Why? She's all yours. I like that. Okay, you can be seated. No man in his right mind would agree to any of that. Then why do we think that God would? God, I'm yours on Sunday. Don't mess with me on Tuesday. And definitely don't mess with me on Friday night because that's juking night. (laughs) And don't mess with me on Saturday because you know I got to go to the horse track over in Kentucky and throw down some bets. Don't be messing with me on my weekends. I'll be your Sunday, but I don't, Friday and Saturday are off limit. There is no man in here who would rightfully say, you know what? You can be my wife Sunday through Friday morning, but you know the weekend is yours. In the same way, God is saying, hey, I am all yours and you are all mine. He's even saying to us, it's not even good 364 days a year. What he's saying is, if you want to get into the Holy of Holies, if you want to go to the deepest part of God, you've got to say, I'm all yours. When you got married, that's what you did. You said, I'm all yours and nobody else. And God is looking for people to put a wedding ring on today and say, God, I'm all in. Listen. God's coming back for a wife, a spouse, a bride, not a girlfriend. I'm going to keep preaching. The Holy of Holies crowd doesn't just want to get in the gate. They want to see like Moses the glory of God. They must have the presence of God. They decide to give up all their old lives, their old ways, their old sins. And they say, God, all of me. And that's the beauty of God. God says, I want all of you. Your blemishes, your messes, everything negative, everything positive. I just want you. I tell Holly all the time, I look at her, I say, girl, I'm crazy about you. I do. I say, I'm crazy about you. Even the stuff. I'm not that crazy about. I'm so glad I have a meeting after church. Maybe she'll forget. But I'm still crazy about her. All of her. I tell her, you know what? Girl, if I had to choose all over again, guess what? I'd choose you. Sometimes she finishes my sins. You know what? It's because that's I, I want all of her. I think she wants all of me. I'm not sure, but we're, that's another sermon. <laughs> Here's the cool part. When you go deeper in the presence of God, you know what he does? He brings you freedom. <sighs> Life is better in the presence of God once all the rats are dead. 
Psalm 100, 1 through 4. Dale quoted it in prayer. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Wow, I don't know what happened there. What is going on with our system? We just went crazy. Uh, shout unto the Lord. There's, I see Dustin holding the finger up like, uh, just one momento, brother. It says, uh, enter into his courts with thanksgiving and, and, and into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And bless his holy name. Outer court is giving thanks to God. You want to go in the inner court? Start praising his holy name. There we go. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. We ought to be happy about serving God. Come before his presence with what? Singing. Verse 3 and 4. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made it us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his inner courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You want to get in the Holy of Holies? Go deeper and start blessing his name. And the final point is this. We want to not just go in the presence of God. Not just go deeper in the presence of God. We want to go up in the presence of God. Everybody say up. up. I want to show you something going to blow you away. You ready for this? Everybody say I'm ready. I'm ready. Exodus 24. Watch this. The Lord said to Moses, come what? Come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction then Moses set out with Joshua his aide and Moses went up on the mountain of God where's Joshua going he's going up the mountain right he's leaving the crowd verse 14 and 15 that's important you got to know Joshua's heading up the mountain because I want to show you something that's really cool verse 14 15 he said to the elders Moses did wait here for us again me and Joshua were heading up until we come back to you Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it. Verse 16 and 18. I love this. And the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. Oh, do I wish to God he would settle in here with us. For six days the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. Stop right there. Moses is in the direct presence of God. And it's not until seven days into it that he hears the voice of God. We think we're going to give God a two minute and thirty second bedtime prayer. And hear what God has to say. To the Israelites the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain. And he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Wow. He was in the presence of God. 40 days and 40 nights. We need to be patient for God to speak to us. For 40 days. If you read Exodus 25 through Exodus 31. God is telling him all about the tabernacle. And all the tools and stuff pertaining to the tabernacle. At the end of 40 days. God tells Moses. Um. You need to get down the mountain because everybody in chapter 32 has lost their minds. They have made a golden calf. They've gone crazy. I'm killing them all. And Moses prays and God sustains them. But on the way down the mountain, watch something very important. Exodus chapter 32 verse 15 through 18. So Moses has been up in the presence of God. He's getting all this. And then somewhere in there God says, hey, all the people went crazy. Get down there and fix it. Verse 15. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hand. So God has taken his finger and wrote. Can you imagine what it was like to see Moses? To see the finger of God right on tablets of stone. He saw it twice. 
They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. He saw it twice because he broke the first ones, went back up the mountain, and God wrote them again. I mean, that's just incredible. But watch verse 17, 18. When Joshua heard the noise of the people, so Moses is headed down. He joins up somewhere with Joshua. And Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting. He said to Moses, there is the sound of the war in the camp. Moses replied, it's not the sound of victory. It's the sound of defeat. It's, not the, it's, the, sound, it's the sound of singing that I hear. Here's, here's my question to you. Where was Joshua? Because Joshua wasn't in the cloud with Moses, but he wasn't in the camp with the people. Let me tell you where Joshua was. He was somewhere on the side of the mountain. He got as close as he could. I believe he could feel the heat of the fire. He could smell the smoke of the cloud. He could feel it. He could possibly even hear the voice. I believe with all my heart. He could hear the voice of God speaking. But listen, it's one thing to be in a 40-day fast when you're in the direct presence of God. It's another to be fasting 40 days and 40 nights on the side of a mountain and you're not in the direct presence of God. Joshua was so hungry to be in God's presence. He hung out on the side of a mountain in a land between because he said, I'm not going back down and I can't go back up because God didn't call me. I'm just going to hang out right here until something happens. That's incredible to me. Everybody say, wow. Watch this. He is so hungry for the presence of God. He goes deeper than Moses does. Exodus 33. Watch what the Bible says in verse 7 through 10. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And wherever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of the tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. Watch verse 9 and 10 closely. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. So is the presence of God there? Yes, it is. Watch this. While the Lord spoke with Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they stood and worshiped each at the entrance of the tent. They said, oh, God's there. Let's worship God. Watch verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said, I got to go deal with the stuff. Joshua said, I ain't leaving the presence of God. No wonder when God was looking for a successor, he said, I got just a man. He loves my presence, Joshua. I need someone to lead this troop after I take Moses, Joshua. I need somebody to take him into the promised land, Joshua. I need this, I need that, Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. Why? Because Joshua is so in love with my presence, he will not leave it. It gets better. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 through 14. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold a man stood opposite it with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? Let me just stop right there a minute. Anybody in the Old Testament that saw an angel fell down as like they were dead. They trembled. They thought they were going to die. Joshua, listen, is so accustomed to the presence of God. When he, unlike everybody else in the Old Testament, comes to the presence of God, he walks right over. He says, hey, you force or against it. Because God gave me this land. I'll take you out. Watch verse 14. The angel of the Lord, God himself, said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worship and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? You know why he dropped and fell down? I always wondered this. Why did, you know, he's, first of all, he looks at him. He says, who are you, who you, buddy? You force against us. You're going down with the rest of them. He says, no, no. 
I'm the commander of the army of the host. Why did he fall down and worship? You know why? Because Joshua was so accustomed to hearing the voice of God. As soon as he spoke, he said, oh, that's God. I wasn't up on the mountain with Moses. All I could do was hear his voice. His cloud came down outside the tent, but I was inside. And I, I never could see him, but I could hear him. Now I've laid my eyes on him. Are you in the presence of God enough that you can hear the voice of God and as soon as he whispers your name, he's going, whoa, ho, ho, stop, that's God. Wow. Man, when I was in college, I'd get in the presence of God and one day God rebaptized me in the Holy Spirit. I just started speaking in tongues, glory to God. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Listen, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues on my couch with nobody else around. Nobody laid their hands on me. I'm not against it. We should do it. But God laid his hand on me. Amen. You'd be in your house and get what you need from God. Another time I was in the presence of God. And as I was up there, God said, hey, I want you to go to youth ministry. And I was like, whoa, are you kidding me? My point is God will speak. We need to pursue the presence of God. Somebody say pursue. I'm almost done with this thing. Watch this. The ground level is the level part of our, is the part of our relationship where we begin to go up. We begin to go and serve God, but we don't go any deeper. God wants us to go past the inner court, the outer court, and into the Holy of Holies. And you can find these in the Bible. Watch what Mark chapter 14 says. Check this out. You're going to love this. He sent out two of his disciples, Jesus did, and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Verse 15, then he will show you a large upper room. Everybody say upper room. Furnished and prepared, there make ready for us. Upper room is a Greek word I cannot pronounce. Anogion. Put that next slide up, please. It's, it means above the ground, i.e. properly the second floor. Everybody say second floor of a building. Used for a dome or a balcony or the upper story. The disciples were getting ready to experience another level in the presence of God. We'll call that communion. We'll call it worship. Jesus said, I'm going to take you deeper. I'm going to take you from the outer courts into the inner court. And now you're going to enjoy fellowship in the presence of Christ. The Bible says that he sent his disciples out and said to them, go into the city. Listen, Jesus is the only one. Who can take you there. He will always lead you into a presence. And the Bible tells us. You do it through Bible reading. You do it through prayer. You do it through worship. And he says you will find a man carrying a pitcher of water. Listen. He will use someone you can see. To show you the way. Pull up the next slide please. He will use someone you can see. To show you the way. Why was the man distinguished? Because in those days men didn't carry the pitchers of water. Women did. So when he said you're going to find a man carrying a pitcher of water. They knew exactly. Oh that's the guy leading the way. God will always put you in the path of someone who stands out and know how to lead you up into the presence of God. Then he says, go make the room ready and get it all prepared. Hey, the room is prepared for you. Woo! God has furnished everything you and I need to go into his presence. He has furnished us the word of God. He has furnished us the ability to pray and worship. He has furnished us and prepared a throne room filled with his presence that he is saying come boldly into. And then at the end of verse 15 he says, There make ready for us. Everybody say us. The room is ready. Jesus is there, but are you ready? Man, the room is prepared, but now you've got to be prepared to go meet with him. A spirit of expectancy. Do you expect God to show up in your prayer closet? 
When you have a room charged with the atmosphere of expectation, the worship intensifies. You go deeper. But did you know that Jesus instituted one final level? Did you know he said, hey, it's good to be in communion with me, but I'm going to take you yet deeper. Does anybody want to know in closing how to go even deeper, how to go even higher? Acts 1.13. When they had entered, they went up into the upper room. Everybody say upper room. Where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of James. Are you ready for some revelation? This word for upper room is a different Greek word than the other upper room. This one is a different Greek word which mean, which says huperion. It's a higher part of the house. It is an apartment in the... Communion and worship takes you one level. Jesus said, but now I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take you further up than you've ever been. There is a level... When he was alive, he said, let me take you to an upper room and we'll have communion together. But after he dies and resurrects from the grave, he says, I want you to go even higher. And this time, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. Wow. The third realm, there are realities around you that, you can, that are operating you can't even see. And he invited them into this new realm. It was a particular place in the third part of the room that said, Hey, I'm going to take you boys and you ladies further up yet. I want to tell you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you are filled with God Almighty Himself. You carry Him everywhere with you. Luke 24, 4, 52 through 53 says this, And they worshipped Him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And verse and chapter 2 of Acts, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts 17, they turned the world upside down. And what Jesus is saying is, when you accept Him as Lord and Savior, that's one level. When you have communion and you worship and you pray on a regular basis, that's another. But when you speak in tongues, when you're praying in the Spirit, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it is yet another level. First level, close enough to... Scratch the religious itch. Second level, you're going deeper, but you're holding some back. Third level, you say, I'm all in. My question is, which level do you want to be in? Do you want to kill the rats? I had a preacher tell me one time when I was kind of in church and out. He said, son, he said, Lord, show me something about you. That's not good usually. He said, I saw you, he said, and you're on the bank of a river, and, and it's a sandy shore. And he says, you run out and you splash in the water where your feet, and you kick the water around, and then you come back to the shore. He said, and sometimes you get brave enough, you go kind of knee deep, and you're moving around, but, but you won't go any deeper, you come back to the shore. You're constantly running a little bit into God, and then you run back to your life. And he said, God wants to know when you're going to get in the river and let him take you where he wants to go. And I got a question for you today. Do you want to go up? Do you want to go deeper? Man. I'm going to ask the musicians to come now. I'm going to ask you to, if you're physically able, I want you to maybe just turn around in your seat and put your knees on the floor. If you're physically able. Maybe put your elbows on the seat or just a prayer posture. 
all over the sanctuary. And if, if you can't do that, just right where you're at, just where you're sitting, turn that into your prayer posture. And I want you to think, which level do I want to be on? Do I want surface level? Do I want to let Jesus in my heart and my soul? That's the first step. Do I want to go deeper in Him? Do I want to hit that second floor where I have communion? Do I want the third floor where I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, in His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ? Are you hungry for the presence of God today?